Hey everyone, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 84. Today I'm speaking with Hagai Levi, CEO at SetSale, a startup that's raised $37 million and helps organizations sell better. We discuss how CEOs should be thinking about hiring post-pandemic, how companies can implement better sales strategies, his time at Google, and much more. Enjoy. I'm here with Hagai Levi, the uh, CEO and co-founder of SetSale. They're a machine learning powered revenue revenue execution platform, which we're going to dive into what exactly that means in just a little bit. But Hagai, really, I'm glad that you're here, man. I am super stoked to have you on this episode and talk a lot about, you know, what you're building, but also, you know, as an entrepreneur who kind of came from Google, what things you've learned from being there. And also, you know, this is a new environment that we're in. I, I mean, we'll talk about this a lot, but we're in a new environment, a new sales environment. And I think one of the things we're seeing is that it requires slightly different or maybe a lot different uh, skill set than the previous kind of environment that we were in, you know, pre-COVID. So we'll be talking about that as well. So I just want to welcome you to the plat- uh, to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, uh, Jeff. I'm really excited about our conversation. Yeah, me too. So... So the way I usually like to get this thing started um, is I like to talk a little bit about who you are and what you're building right now. So kind of give us an overview about who you are, how you got to where you're at, and and what you're currently building over at SetSail. Great. So um, as you can hear from my accent and, and from my name, I uh, was born and raised in Israel. Uh, I came to the U.S. in 20, uh, 2006. I went to Carnegie Mellon for graduate degree. Uh, then after uh, Carnegie Mellon, I worked for a while uh, at McKinsey and Company and joined Google in 2010. Um, and at Google, for many years, I, I was leading a team of data scientists and machine learning experts. And our goal was to focus on how can we improve our sellers' productivity. Um, as you can probably imagine, uh, Google has tens of thousands of sellers. Uh, we were focusing uh, from, for a few years uh, at, with uh, ads, uh, selling ads, and how to improve our sellers' productivity in ads. And then, uh, then we did some work with Google Cloud as well. Um, so that's kind of a, on a high level. This is this is the background um, of me uh, working here in the Bay Area. I, I'm based in San Francisco, uh, been here uh, for uh, more than 10 years now. Um, I have two kids and a dog, uh, and you know, life is, is really good here in, in the West Coast. Yeah, for sure. I, so you have no you have no plans on moving to Miami then, I guess, unlike some no, of our previous no guests. No plans for Miami, and it's like we love California. <laughs> the outdoor here, is, the outdoors here, it's just amazing, and we spend a lot of time hiking and camping. Nice. Well, I'm actually curious because, you, you know, you're staying in California, in the Bay Area, um, but obviously, there are. A bit, uh, this is not something that we had originally planned to talk about. But since you brought it up, uh, I'm definitely interested. Uh, you know, since you brought up being in California, I'm definitely interested from your perspective as a CEO. Um, how are you thinking about talent that has either moved or is planning on moving uh, to different states? And like, um, is that something that you 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 would uh, at your company set sell? Um, kind of encourage that, you know, and, and hire remote workers? Is that something that you're thinking about? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, we don't have an office now, so all of us work from home and uh, we, you know, we've been growing a lot uh, in the past year. Uh, our revenue grew 9x. Um, Congrats. And of course, uh, yeah, great. It was a really <laughs> strong year for us. And uh, we grew from uh, around 12 people to we're just passing 40 now. So we recruited a lot as well. And, and because uh, everybody's working from home, we're now recruiting uh, across the U.S. And we just started to recruiting in Canada as well. Um, so uh, it doesn't matter so much. Uh, we, we definitely support people to work from wherever they, they feel comfortable to work uh, from. Also, you know, you know how it is in tech. Uh, kind of working hours are important, but they're not critical. Um, I know from my experience, there are some people that are extremely productive in their mornings and some people that are productive in the middle of the night. So we're definitely very flexible around that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's certainly something we've talked a lot about, even on this podcast and also on our website on um, on Best Techie. And the reason for that is because, you know, as a knowledge worker, you, you know, we, we, we've really, we really confined our, the way we've thought about work for so long now, it like it it's it 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 took the pandemic to kind of shake us out of that mindset, right? Be like, it doesn't actually you don't we don't have to be in an office. Butts and shares is not a good measurement or metric for tracking performance um, of, of employees. And I, I'm curious if you, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that statement. And, and you know, uh, coming from Google, that was the mindset as well. It's like it's not about FaceTime. It's about uh, productivity and making sure that uh, people are just uh, getting uh, getting stuff done. Um, you know, and, and what you learn over the years is that everyone has their own pace uh, and and they want to do things differently. And, and the better you adjust to that, you the more you get from the team. If you just think, uh, you know, in that um, uh, like A two A two five framework, uh, you're just losing a lot. I mean, it's like this is not not all of us are wired that way. Um, so the more flexible uh, we are, the, the the more we get from the team, and um, and just you know, with this new environment of COVID, just made it uh, much more acceptable for everyone to just go and, and live wherever they want and, and, and just work from there. You just need, the only thing that you really need to work at Setset is good internet connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without that, it would be hard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was actually uh, chatting with Phil Libin, you know, the co-founder of Evernote and now the guy who has started mm-hmm, uh, over at All Turtles. And he's very much in the same mindset as what we're describing, where it doesn't matter where you are. You know, you just need an internet connection and a device, a computer, whatever, iPad. And you can be just as productive there as you can be in the office. And, like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to live where you want to have the quality of life that you want and still do your job. Um, and, I, I, I mean, I, I can't see, and I can't see, like, <laughs> no, the problem with that kind of thinking. It seems, It seems like it gives people more flexibility, which I think is something that a lot of people wanted and, and, and want, uh, continue to want. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the last thing that I want is people to spend time commuting on one-on-one, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, they can use that hour in much better way. They can work out, they can spend time with their kids. Uh, you know, if they really want, they can write more code, but they don't have to spending an hour on one-on-one every morning is not a, is not a good way to, uh, waste your life. <laughs> 
Right. Maybe if self-driving cars were more of a thing, then, you know, you could actually do stuff from the car. But even still, like, it's not always the best experience, at least in the current car configurations. Like, you know, you can still get car sick looking at your phone and there's like all that stuff. So it's not still not an ideal solution, even if you had a self-driving car. Uh, you're still ending up sitting in traffic, <laughs> um, which is not 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 usually fun. Um, so let I want to talk more about set sail and kind of like what you're building there. Uh, so can you kind of like explain it to us in a way that uh, that really kind of will resonate with people who maybe are not um, as familiar with with uh, machine learning powered revenue execution platforms? Yeah. So. Um... As you probably know, machine learning and data science for sales is not something new. There's been a lot of work uh, done on that from many great companies for the past decade. Um, started with you know organizing data in a better way uh, in a CRM, and then moved to a lot of platforms that are trying to take that data and make it more insightful. You probably heard kind of the notion around actionable insights. Uh, and you know, um, making it like in a good dashboard that can, sales managers can understand what's going on in the pipeline, and reps can follow it, and so on. What we found that the missing piece is translating these insights to actual day-to-day -day behavior. So just to kind of give it a magnitude, in in Google, we built so many dashboards using our machine learning algorithms that we had to have dashboard to monitor how much people are using our dashboards. <laughs> that's nuts oh my god uh. so we had dashboards for dashboards i mean it's like we had like endless data as you can imagine at google you know the tools that we had now some of them are available uh, externally but tensorflow and all of that great stuff mm -hmm. was available for us internally for many years at google uh, but it's it became kind of a, a paralysis by analysis there are so many numbers there you know, the sales leader looks at the dashboard and then another dashboard gives him just the opposite answer. So so what should I do as a sales leader? And what we found that is really missing is a layer after the dashboard that helps you actually change the behavior of the reps. Um, and uh, we all know that the best way to change behavior of reps is using compensation. Um, but if you look at commissions and how they're set up today, the commission is not a great tool for uh, you know, supporting the reps in the way they're doing their work. Now, commission is very back-looking. Mm -hmm. It's very kind of uh, bullion. It's like either you, you, you won the deal or you lost the deal, and then you get the money. But we know uh, every salesperson will tell you that the reality is much more complicated than that. Like winning a deal takes a lot of very small steps that you have to do in a very specific order in order to win the deal. And sometimes, even when you do these steps, it doesn't work. No, your champion goes away or some some event happened that yep. you know you lose the deal. It's not your fault as a, sell, as, as a, uh, as a seller, as a, an account executive. So what we did in Google, and now we productionized that out of Google, is building a platform that allows sales leaders to help reps see small wins and reward reps for small wins in order to get that big win. And let me give you a, an analogy. So for me, for example, every January, I have this uh, new resolution that I want to run a marathon. Uh, so there are some people, great athletes, that if they have that new resolution of running a marathon, they will know what the steps that they need to take. 
they will know, okay, here are the five things that we need or 10 things that we need to do in the next three, four months in order for us to make it possible to run a marathon. And you can think about these great athletes, like the top 20% of your sales team. There are some great salespeople that don't need any guidance. They will be able to close deals and they don't need any plan around that. Unfortunately, these are only 20% of your sales team. Then most of us human beings, if I want to run a marathon, I need a training plan. And I need the Fitbit to help me to go through that training plan. And that's what sets sell for most of salespeople. It's a Fitbit that helps you guide you through the process and rewards you on making small steps to win the big deal. That makes sense. Gosh, I wish I had that. <laughs> when, I was, uh, when I was building my analytics company, uh, Kaya, one of the things we were doing, similar to kind of set sale, but we were doing it for publishers, trying to help give them actionable insights to help them create more engaging content, ways that they could, uh, what I would used to say to people is, spend less time staring at numbers and more time actually creating engaging content for your audience. Um, so we would we would bubble up kind of insights like that um, through our through our platform. Uh, so I, I love that. I love that you kind of break it down. Um, that's really fascinating. And so so I'm curious, like what, what kind of what kind of stats are you seeing in terms of uh, do you have like comparisons versus um, prior to companies using set sale in terms of um, you know tracking? Yes. Yeah, so, so again, this is much more than tracking. This is tracking and rewarding, which mm -hmm. is very important. No, it's like, it's not just we're tracking what the reps are doing. We're rewarding the reps to do the right things. Stats that we're seeing before using set sale uh, are few, uh, you know, different lenses. So for example, the revenue concentration. So we see a lot of companies, even if they're hidden numbers, uh, the revenue is concentrated uh, towards very small amount of reps. So 20% of the reps are actually doing 80% of the revenue, uh, which again, if you're a sales leader, this is a very risky situation for you now, because think about these top 20% of reps, great, they're getting your uh, number, but because they're so good, probably they're looking for their next job or the next role. So not necessarily they will stay with you. So this revenue concentration, we see that across the board with every company that we're working with is a big problem. That's like one. Second problem that we're seeing that you probably know really well is that now with COVID, it's even take longer time for reps to ramp up. So, you know, even before COVID, when people work from the office, it take for an enterprise sales rep, it would take around between four to six months to ramp up on average, to build their pipeline, to get ready to start pitching and, and start to win deals. And now we're seeing with the remote work that it takes more like eight months to a year. And that's huge. If you're building a sales team and you're hiring 10, 20, 30 people a quarter and it takes them a year to ramp up, that's a huge drag on your mm. revenue numbers. Uh, so that's kind of the second. And the last thing um, is motivation. I mean, it's like what we've seen across the board, unlike other professions like you know coding, People don't don't mind being by themselves and, and code code the way through and just you know uh, do the long hours and maybe code through the night and working from home is great for them. For salespeople, it's a little bit different. Working in isolation is taking a toll. Um, and and what we're seeing, we're seeing it on retention. Uh, so sales reps are just uh, sticking around less. Uh, so if if as as you know 
as a whole, retention in sales was was a challenge for sales leaders. It was something around 24 months before uh, before COVID. Now we're seeing it's going down to 18 months. So wow. uh, so so think about that. The problem from both sides. It takes you to ramp up your rep around a year, and you're losing them. 18 just months as in, fast. they're yep. actually looking for their next job. Yeah, that's that's a huge challenge. So so something that's something set cell can help organizations with them. Exactly. So uh, again, if you if you deploying set cell as a revenue execution platform, we can help guide your new reps through. Okay, these are what the best reps are doing. Also, pay them either through SPFs or through the job that you're paying them. We can, we can actually pay them on building a real pipeline. Your reps are actually much more happy because they have they have much more um, certainty on what they're getting paid for. Now, now they're the company is sharing the risk with them. Now the company is willing to pay them on making progress with deals, not just on closing deals. If you're a new rep in a company, it may take you a year to start closing deals. You don't want to be starved in that year. So the yeah. only solution that companies have today is paying in a draw. We have a solution that can pay for making progress. And, and you know, sales leaders love it. Reps love it. So it's a very unique win-win uh, solution that makes the reps more productive, but also make them more happy. That's amazing. I love that. I think that's incredible. One of the questions I, I guess I was I had based on what you were saying is, so is your product definitely, is it more for larger organizations at the moment? Or do you have a version uh, or a, a, a product that can all, that also works for, let's say, startups that are just starting to scale up? Um, yeah, so again, we found our solution quite effective in, in companies that have 50 sales reps or more and growing fast. Okay. Uh, the, the challenge for these companies, they already know conceptually what their sales motion should be. Mm -hmm. And now the biggest challenge for them is how to scale in, in a consistent way. Now right, it's like, right. I need to hire another 20 reps. I need to get them up to speed. I don't have enough managers. I don't have enough people to coach them. How do I make sure that they, they're up to speed? Uh, I think if you have a very small startup and you're just starting, you should focus more your effort on iterating on your sales motion. Uh, and, you know, definitely we can we can help you, but let's wait that you'll be bigger and, and you need more kind of consistency and scale. That makes sense. I, I, and the reason I was asking was because I know I know I talk to a lot of founders and startups and startups and people who are you know, just looking to get scaling. But, the, at the, you know, they, they figured out their product market fit. They figured out how to sell the product. And now they're looking to kind of repeat that process and continue selling. And that's so I know that, you know, that's all that's also a very tough kind of moment in time for a company when you're just starting to scale up your sales team. And it's like, all right, we have a we have a process in place. We have every, we have all the documentation that we're going to give to the sales reps and to get them started. But now we actually have to go through the process and, you know, get everyone on board and signed up and like, you know, uh, and, and hired and starting to sell. So. You know what's amazing with all these enablement calls and, and uh, training is that, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of studies out there that are showing that uh, a day after these trainings, the reps basically forget 70% of the <laughs> material. Um, so, again, even if you know what to do in order to scale in a consistent way, and this is what SetSell does, it helps you to uh, guide your reps while they're doing sales and pay them to do the right things. 
these two things are very important if you're trying to scale. Definitely. Definitely. That's, that's awesome. So I want to, I want to travel back in time a little bit to when you spent, uh, you spent seven and a half years at Google, obviously, as we talked about, uh, leading data and science teams. And so at your time at Google, I would imagine was pretty formative in terms of you, the way you kind of thought as an entrepreneur eventually, uh, when you, when you set out on your own with set sale, see what I did there. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so I'm curious, like, so how, how, what did your time uh, at Google, what did you learn there that still kind of impacts how you think about the way you work today? Uh, what were some of those learnings that you, that you took with you? Yeah, so I, I want to start with, you know, Google is definitely the best uh, place I, I worked, uh, you know, from beginning of my career, a, a very, you know, very sound company with a great product, great people. Um and, and I learned a lot uh, from working there. It's like, I would say number one fundamental thing, which is Google is very known for, uh, I learned how to use data mm -hmm. and to make data effective. Uh, you know, being part of Google, uh, you're just very lucky to, you know, work with one big amount of data. Second, uh, you know, talent that you can't find anywhere else. Uh, some of that talent, lucky for me, was willing to join me at Setzel. Uh, um, and then lastly, the internal tools that Google has are just phenomenal. I mean, it's like you you have basically access to technology that no one has in the market uh, 10 years before it goes to, uh, out, of, out to the market. And uh, and, and we, we just learned, you know, tons out of that. And so, you know, even though one way to think about Setzel, uh, we, we've been in the market for three years, so we left Google three years ago. But the reality is that we, we've been uh, doing what we've been doing for more than a decade. Um, we, you know, we just did it in a different place um, with, with different set of data and so on, but that's kind of gave us a huge advantage. So that's like number one. Second thing that, you know, you probably hear from a, a lot of people that came out of Google, what you learn at Google, especially as, a, as an executive, you learn how to uh, run very talented teams, which sounds simple, but um, you know, how do you make sure that your people are empowered and motivated and, and, and you know, really wanna work on that, on that big, uh, big ideas? And, and Google is a company of big ideas. So um, you, you, you know, as an executive, um, you, you just learn over the years to uh, run and motivate teams, uh, high-performing teams, uh, which is what Google is really known for. If you think about that, um, a lot of people think that Google is known for search. What's, what's, what Google is doing really well is attracting top-notch top, top talent and making it effective. That's kind of the secret, and Google just learned how to do that in a very good way. And it's not about free food. Free food is is it's one line item. If you ask most of people at Google, that's not the, the important thing. I mean, it's like of course they love it, but there are so many um, so many other things that that Google learned over the years how to make teams very very effective. That's a really interesting point. I feel like. You're right. Yeah. Not en not enough people actually kind of talk about that at Google. I mean, clearly, when you have a, t a high performing team and a lot of top talent, I would imagine a bunch of type A personalities in a room, you know, managing that group of people takes a certain level of skill to make sure that everyone is feeling, like you said, empowered, 
that they're heard, that they feel like that their that their points are being made and get, got, uh, getting across uh, the room. So that that's a really great point. Uh, and, and another thing that you said that really interested me was you know or e- earlier you were talking about how like you guys had access to TensorFlow like even before like we did. And I'm just curious, like how, how so you had it years before you said that's incredible. Like so these are the types of technologies that you would obviously get at working at Google. You don't have access to elsewhere until you know they choose to make it public that and you guys have at google have like the inter literally the internet's data i would imagine at your fingertips at all times which is pretty uh, incredible by the way theoretically it sounds that at google you have access to all data but you you know just to make things clear <laughs> you don't i mean okay. the, the, there's so many restrictions that the data in such silos that it's not that as you know, as a as a data scientist, you can just <laughs> you can just. <laughs> you well, that that's re- that's reassuring. Uh, so <laughs> good to know. <laughs> awesome. No, I, I, let's talk a little bit more about Google um, and, and your time there and how it helped you kind of prepare yourself for your to be a startup CEO. Um, what are some? So we talked about some of the things that it helped you uh, prepare for and that it gave you the tool set to, to work with. But what were some things that you weren't prepared for um, that, that you kind of had to learn on the fly that you were feeling a little uncomfortable when you were, when well, you were learning? Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's a really good point. It's like uh, when you're at Google, uh, you know, everyone that you, you, you know, give a call to, it's like, of course they would take the call because you're from Google. Now it's like, hey, I'm Hagai, I'm from Google. Can we have like a quick conversation about something? Uh, when you leave Google, freaking nobody cares. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, I, I learned a lot. There are a lot of things that, that I didn't know how to do, and I grew in the, in the last three years. I would say, you know, the, the most important things for a startup, which is, one, how to raise money. I mean, of course, at Google, you didn't have to raise money. Uh, so that's kind of a skill set that uh, I, I gained over time. Uh, lucky for us, I picked it up uh, pretty fast. We raised $37 million so far, and um, uh, the environment now is, is is actually quite favorable for great companies. So, Definitely. Um, Valuations are higher than ever at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, feel like that's always the case, but um, but yeah, you know, absolutely. It, it sounds simple, but the reality is that uh, investors are, are very sophisticated animals. I mean, they're not giving money or valuations to companies that do not deserve it. It's like, it's right. not that you can just go and pitch to a neighbor and, and you got to check. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, we are not saying that that's, a, that's how it works. It absolutely does not. As someone who's raised money myself, I can can assure you of that. <laughs> these, these guys are, are very smart. Uh, I mean, they're not. Uh, so uh, so that's raising money is one. I mean, second thing that I, I again, I to be honest, I'm still learning and I'm not doing... I'm not doing a great job and I, I still need to do a better job is how to sell. It's a kind of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite hard. It's you know, like, it's, uh, it it's certainly all, is. All sellers that are listening to the podcast, I mean, it's like I have so much respect to you guys. I mean, it's like selling, selling a product, specifically if the company is an unknown company, uh, nobody knows about it, nobody knows what is revenue execution, who cares about revenue execution? <laughs> so, uh, so, Sales is a very hard profession, and I'm, I'm, again, I have a long way to go, but uh, I'm still learning from, you know, some of the best sellers on, on how to convince someone to try our product. And more than that, 
I think the, the magic part of sales is how do you work with the customer to create real value for their business? Yeah. Because this is this is the only way that you can you can uh, convince someone to spend money on your product is is creating real value, um, and and so so that's kind of the two main things. I mean, I would say one one small thing, like recruiting for a startup is always harder than recruiting for Google. You can probably imagine. Uh, I would actually put that in sales as well. It's like you're yeah, selling it's another form of selling. At the end of the day, you're selling employees as well. So. If you ask me what do I do as a CEO, 98% of my time is selling, selling to investors, customers, and employees. I feel like that's great, especially, I mean, I feel like that that's definitely a, a, the place a lot of entrepreneurs are in early, and especially at, at startups. And I love that you said that because, you know, selling is, is a constant kind of evolution, I feel like, right? You, you kind of have to evolve as you learn to sell, and that seems to be something you're doing. I'm curious, like you talked about adding value and making sure that you that you understand kind of the customer's pain point and how you can add value to help uh, alleviate that pain. Um, so with 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 set sale, how have you kind of thought about like uh, your evolving your selling technique? Like where did you start? Like how did you start selling it versus how you're selling it today? I think that's I think that would be a really kind of in- interesting insight. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like I think in SaaS software and what we're doing, um, the the magic word is partnership. Mm-hmm. It's like what what you're looking for are people that that are in a position that they're looking to solve a specific problem to their organization, and they're looking for a great partner to do it with that that would go all the way to solve their problem. I'll give you an example. One of our biggest customers is Cisco. Uh, they just, by the way, everything that I'm saying is is public. They just published few uh, uh, few case studies on that. I'm not I'm not revealing anything uh, out there. But one of the challenges that they had is that their CRM data was incomplete. Um, and you know, we are the revenue execution platform. Part of it is to make sure that your uh, revenue data and your CRM data is m- much more complete. Otherwise, we can't run our machine learning algorithms. So Cisco reached out to us. They asked us to uh, help us with that data. Um, and in five months, we we're able to increase their completeness of the CRM from single digit to high double digit uh, while deploying our platform. So my point is, you know, going back to your question, how do I think about sales? I think I don't think about about it as getting someone to buy my product, but I'm thinking about that. How can we partner to create real business value for that company? Um, and even on a personal level, no, if you're working with a VP of sales or a CRO or a head of uh, um, sales ops and you're creating value to their company through set sale, they're becoming more successful. They're getting their next promotion or they can, they can get their next job. If they're successful, Set sell is successful. So that's what I mean by partnership. It's much more than just move the product. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, partnership, and I, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with finding, you know, a term that I feel like a lot of people use is champion within that organization. Someone who believes in what you're doing, sees the value, and then will bring it up 
to the rest of the organization and bring it through the organization and, and work with you to get it in, implemented. And like finding that person can be tough, but once you do find that person, it can be game changing for your entire business, especially when it comes to working or partnering with a particular uh, organization that you want to work with. So, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I can, you know, one day I would do that short list of people, these champions in different companies like, you know, I mentioned Cisco, but we're also working with Dropbox, ADP, HubSpot, LinkedIn. And as you mentioned, we have these champions there that without them, there were no set sales. So yeah. there was just phenomenal people that, to be honest, made a decision to take a risk on this new innovative concept. Yeah, you got and those people. Thank you. <laughs> thank you to those people, right? Um, that's amazing. So I want to keep talking about selling. I want to talk a little bit about, I, I, I kind of alluded earlier that we're going to be in a new environment, um, a remote environment in many instances. Maybe companies won't be uh, flying salespeople around to meet in person for like the first time meetings or, you know, whatever anymore. How is this new environment going to affect selling um, from a sales rep pers uh, uh, per uh, perspective? And also... How does kind of set sail, in your opinion, how are you guys thinking about uh, adjusting to that? Yeah, so you know, what you're saying is, is really, really interesting. If you think about sales jobs in the past year, everyone saw a change. You know, it's like if, if you're a field sales rep, suddenly you were selling from home and the kids are running around and the dog <laughs> is barking. Yeah. Uh, if you're an inside sales, reps, sales rep where you used to be on the floor, suddenly you're selling from home when the kids are running around and the, the dog is barking. <laughs> so everyone is out of their comfort zone. No? It's like we're, we're, uh, we're in a, a, a huge shift. But what's really amazing is that like other industries, I mean, it's like uh, my kids, for example, the way they go to school in the past year changed completely. So if you look at the education industry, it this year gave the, that industry a huge opportunity to leapfrog from a technology point of view. It's like I have my six-year-old know how to operate Zoom and Google <laughs> Docs. Like, you know, like I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know, sorry, when I was like 35, which is like kind of a, <laughs> so, so, you know, on one hand, yeah, the, the world changed entirely. But the other hand, there's a huge opportunity for leapfrogging. So if, you, if you're talking about sales, I think you're right. There would be less travel. There would be much more uh, working over email, Zoom, uh, you know, other con conversation intelligence uh, tools, and of course, set sale. And, and, and these technologies, you know, it's really interesting if you would, if you, if you would ask people for example, a year ago, would you be comfortable for me recording our sales call? They would say no. You asking them now, a year past, it's like, what are you kidding? You don't have like a, you don't have a recording system for your sales call. It's like like everybody has it. So, so you know, you look at you know looking a year back, a year ago, it was like totally non. It was not clear that that set that sellers should record their calls. Now it's kind of obvious. It's like kind of the the question became became kind of the opposite question. Uh, my recorder is on. Do you want me to turn it off? 
Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, can I, can I turn on my recorder? It's like, do you want me to turn it up? So what's amazing is that when you have all that data, you, you suddenly have, you know, phone calls and Zoom calls and, and you can create that, 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 that environment that is much more data-driven. Uh, less and less of the communication is done offline that system cannot track. And you can use that as a sales leader, as a sales rep, you can use that to your advantage. So, Absolutely. you know, one of the things that we're doing in SetSell, which is common, becoming like common practice, before you're getting on a call with, with a customer, go and listen to the past five calls to make sure that you, you know exactly where the deal is uh, is in. No? It's, like, and it's like, think about that. A year ago, it was like a no-go. Nobody would record calls, no? Right. Yeah, you're right. That's uh, it's crazy how how fast everything you know changed, um, pretty much overnight. I mean, if you think about it, and it's nuts, kind of how people have evolved in that sense. Um, so that that's fascinating to me. One of the things I was thinking also was how like, you know, I don't know if you're on Clubhouse, but it, I feel like. It's a, it's a really interesting platform, and I've made a lot of connections both personally and from a business perspective through the app. And I feel like if you're a salesperson and you're not on the on Clubhouse, you really should be because there are so many fascinating people on there doing all these different things, and you can really kind of just you, – you never know who you can really connect with. And if you curate your following and the rooms that you go in, you can actually – I've seen it myself – um, really develop business relationships with people and do business through the app. I mean, you can take it offline, obviously, but you can connect with great people that way. And it might be another kind of avenue for salespeople to explore. Yeah, I no, I completely agree. I'm still trying to get my head around Clubhouse for sure. You know, I'm I'm still, uh, you know, getting to use to my cell phone that I just not just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna. Ha I'll have to get you on. Um, I I would love to. You know, I run the. I run a number of rooms every uh, all the time, and on my Florida Entrepreneurs Club that I uh, that I started, and we I would love to have you in a room. We, um, I'm sure the community we have over 700 people already in the club, um, and we host rooms on Monday and Friday at 3 p.m., as well as a Wednesday room for kind of a weekly check-in at 7 p.m. And it's been really great. And uh, I would so, but yeah, I would love to have you on, and we'll we'll have to schedule that. Yeah, I would that. love to join, and I think it's actually a reflection to kind of uh, the sales community. It's yeah, like it, it sales, uh, you know, unlike other professions, like this this human connection is so important. No, mm -hmm. and the reason that it's so important is that uh, salespeople have great EQ because end of the day, you have to the the other side that you're selling to is another human being. That, that you need to convince and buy into your uh, product. So this is why, you know, I love salespeople, you know, I, they tune into kind of the more softer part of us. Uh, being, being a great salesperson is almost being, uh, you know, a psychologist, no? It's like kind of, you need to understand, okay, what drives that person that I'm working with? You know, what do, how do I actually change your perception about what I'm doing? Um, and how do I get them to the table? So absolutely I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the reason why I was talking about a clubhouse, just to go back to that real quick is because with the app, you can actually hear people's voices. You can hear the inflections. You can hear how they sound. You can hear whether they, 
are interested just based on how they're talking, which is fascinating. Um, so it, it, you know, you can't, that's not something you can get over text, like through a cold email reaching out, you know, to someone, it just, it's not the same. So, um, yeah, but I just thought that was really interesting. I would, I want to move a little bit, um, talking about sales execs and, and, and people who are leading sales teams. Um, how, how, you know, in a post COVID world, is there something different that they should be doing or, or a different way of thinking when it comes to managing their teams? Yeah, I, uh, I, I do think that there's, there's a different ways to look at it. So like, think about kind of before COVID, a lot of the conversations of sales leaders and sales uh, managers with their teams was around, hey, tell me what's going on in your pipeline. How is this deal going? Uh, you know, did you talk with the executive buyer? Did you already pass, you know, some kind of document? So, uh, you know, is, is there already a pricing conversation and so on? I think the technology leapfrog that we've seen in the past year allows to change this conversation completely. So we already have technology that helps you understand what's going on in the, uh, in the pipeline and in the deals. Now, the, I think the expectation from sales leaders is to get up to speed using these systems. And then the one-on-one -on -one with the rep and the AE should be around, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. Not what's happening. I already know what's happening. I listened to the call. I looked at set sale. I know what's going on in, in your pipeline, in your deals. I'm up to speed. Don't Let's not waste time on that. Let's now talk. How do we move to the next steps? Right. Yeah. That it's it's so funny to me because it feels like it's like why wasn't it this way before like <laughs> but I guess you know we all have to get to where we're going at some point and like you know it just takes time to get there sometimes um, that that's really that's really it's interesting you need like an event like that yeah to kind of shake make things up technology so available and and kind of everyone to adopt it mm -hmm. now and and. And again, just to one comment on that, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think salespeople or sales managers are going anywhere. I think the way they do work, the day-to-day -day work changes. Absolutely. I, I see that. And I, again, I don't, and I, that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, that's just an opportunity to kind of reshape how you think about, uh, you know, working with your team and kind of even being more effective and working more in tandem with them and, you know, not, and being more efficient too, not just, you know, not just effective, but efficient. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I got one, I got one last question before we get to the lightning round. I know we didn't get to go through everything, um, but, oh man, this conversation has been incredible. You've dropped so many great insights and knowledge bombs. I feel like I've learned a ton. Um, so I'm really excited. I uh, can't wait for this, you know, to release this one. Um, so I'm curious from, from, uh, you know, from your organization, a startup that's, you know, helping salespeople, what products do you, within your organization, use to communicate? And, uh, you know, what are your go-to productivity tools and communication tools within SetSale? Yeah, so, uh, you know, naturally we're using kind of what, what the, the stack that a lot of other companies are using. We're using Slack, uh, using uh, Zoom a lot. Um, so, you know, communication I would say with Slack is is almost real time. Now it's like we're we're talking with each other even while we're having sales calls, which is great. Uh, we're using the the call intelligence uh, tools a lot as well uh, to make sure that we can debrief, understand what happened in the calls, 
and of course, we're using Setset internally. So, uh, you know, it's it's great to see how uh, I'm treating myself currently as an AE, even though we have another uh, six sellers in, in the company. And uh, Setset is, is also very competitive. So it's great to compete uh, against other people. So uh, we're, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of very interesting talk <laughs> end of the week around who's doing what and how they're doing it. I love me some friendly competition and that's always fun. Yeah. It's always, it's always great to emulate the CEO. No? <laughs> <laughs> love that. Said, I'm not the best sales, uh, salesperson. We have some, some really great AEs in, in Setsam. That's amazing. Well, shout out to them and for all the good work that they're doing over there. Um, so, you, Oh, so guy, we made it to the, the lightning round, which is obviously uh, a sign that we're coming to the end, but don't don't fret. You know, we'll have to have you back on. Um, so now that we're at the lightning round, I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit the button whenever you're whenever you're ready, and we'll get started. Okay, go ahead. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. What is your favorite streaming service? Spotify. Nice. Spotify is a good choice. You know, uh, <laughs> more of a title fan at the moment, but just because of the high quality. Um, but Spotify is also a great platform. I love that the fact that they have literally, you can type anything, a mood into the search bar and come up with infinite playlist recommendations. That is definitely one of the nice perks of it. Yeah, also, by the way, the offering on podcast uh, got got really much more robust in the past year. So mm. uh, we're adding much more uh, podcaster, which is which is great. Love that. Love that. What's what's the number one thing on your bucket list? Oh, interesting. Um, I really want to be I, I really want to do kite surfing. So I'm uh, uh, I'm an avid sailor, but I I didn't have any chance to do kite surfing. So I have this you know idea in my mind to take like a long vacation and learn how to kite surf. Oh man, that sounds like fun. <laughs> I'm curious now that you, you mentioned that you're an avid sailor. Is that, did that have anything to do with the name of the company? Uh, part of it. It's like we wanted to have like a very positive name mm -hmm. that. That you know, t actually, I didn't come come up uh, with the name, so uh, but set sail is it's just a very it, it it leaves like a very good taste and a positive experience. Yeah, I like I like the name a lot. Uh, if you could shop for free at one store, what would you choose? I would choose not to shop. So here's <laughs> the thing. It's okay. like, seriously, I think I have way too much stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm actually in the mindset of getting rid of stuff, not not chop more stuff. You're smart. You're a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> what celebrity would you most like to have a meal with? Oh, good question. Warren Buffett for sure. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, he would be an interesting meal buddy. Okay, um, I'm changing that. Okay, Elon. Elon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> also Warren, an interesting choice was five years ago. I want to, I want to have a meal with Elon Musk. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall during that meal. <laughs> that would sound, I bet that would be really fascinating to listen to. All right. Last one. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Current number of unanswered emails in your inbox. Oh, zero. Oh, you're I'm, an inbox I'm zero kind of guy. Zero inbox person. <laughs> That's awesome. I mad props to you for that because 
I, I every time I try it, I'm only able to do it for so long before my inbox just explodes. I can't, to be honest, I can't go to sleep every night without zeroing 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 my inbox. That's it. I mean, I have to. Uh, I I gotta commend you. That is incredible. <laughs> By the way, I, I just to give you a trick. There is some small tricks for that. So sure. There's a snooze functionality. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that I answer everything, mm. but I am zeroing <laughs> zeroing out my inbox. I love that. I'm going to have to take more advantage of the superhuman snooze functionality. That is not something, a feature that I use too much, but I really should. <laughs> awesome. Well, Hagai, I'm really, really glad we got to do this episode. Uh, for people who are listening who want to get in touch with you and learn more about what you talked about or set sale, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Again, we, we just launched our new website. Feel free to visit there. Uh, setsell.co. Um, and of course, if you have questions for me about entrepreneurship, companies, about Setsell or anything else, you can email me directly. My email is Hagai, H-A-G-G-A-I, uh, at setsell.co. I mean, just for you to notice, I have an A-I in my name. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, I didn't notice that, but that you pointed built, out, you're right. Built in. <laughs> it's building. You have AI technology built right into yourself. Okay, love it, love it. Well, thanks so much for being on, Hagai. I, I look forward to keeping in touch, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting our podcast at anchor.fm slash best techie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers. <laughs>